Just baseball on a Saturday? Wow. What? Um, I have it in my contract that I'm not obligated to talk about baseball on the weekends. So on this Saturday episode, I'm thinking that we can dive into our political beliefs and then spent the back 20 minutes talking about LeBron versus Jordan. You guys cool with that? <laughs> LeBron versus Jordan, please. I'm, all I'm of all, that. Yeah, I'm always down for that debate. We could act, I know you're joking, but we could actually do that right now for the first 30. Well, let's start <laughs> with right versus left wing and which one's worse, and then we'll get into LeBron and Jordan. Does that work? <laughs> then we'll get into Big Pharma and the vaccine and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm in. Um, isn't there a breakfast conspiracy too? Like breakfast is uh, it's pushed by big dairy or something like you don't really need breakfast. I, um, I, I brought that. Remember when we were doing something I heard? Yeah. I brought that and I believe in it. That's not I a don't. conspiracy when it's true. I don't. The real reason we're actually recording a podcast on a Saturday before Arm goes to Cubs Marlins. Uh, Peter takes a hangover nap. And uh, I, you know, do something else. I have no you idea. Had to out me do. like that. You had to out me like that first time <laughs> going to a bar in a while. And he's just like, yeah, Peter's going to be hug over on this episode. Thank you. I have a glass no, of water. Dude. I feel fine. Slight headache. We'll make it through. It's it's a compliment um, because you have friends and you socialized last night. And also it's a compliment to, to the work ethic, right? This guy, yes. this guy's not feeling his best. And he's he's he puts his game face on and he goes. Peter woke Bear's up already at ready to go. He woke up <laughs> but, at noon. But, but now we found out he doesn't choice. use product. I, I, that still floors me <laughs> that that Peter doesn't use product. For everyone on YouTube, watch this. And then watch this. All right, leave it. Okay. Wow. Now that that just happened, uh, and Peter looks quaff and nice again, uh, we can get into why we're actually talking today. And we started grading the deadline for all 30 teams and then we realized that we really only had time for 15 so we're going to do 15 more we did the american league uh on yesterday's episode and now on today's episode saturday august 6th we're doing the national league um arm you have the nl east i've got the nl central peter's got the nl west same kind of structure we're going to talk about the teams we're going to talk about the moves that they made give them a grade and if either of us have a rebuttal um we will let it be heard cool peter you're here ready to go Hair is ready to go. And I'd also like to say, hungover, got article done, three MLB best bets. What's up? Yeah. Pain is a choice for Peter Apple. So I, I hope I hope you you picked uh I hope you faded the Marlins against the lefty. I didn't touch that game. We got wind blown out at Wrigley. I think you're gonna see Ooh. some runs today. It's gonna be fun. Look, I'll believe it when I see it. I hope you're right. But if yeah. you tell me that I'm gonna see runs in a Marlins game, that they just dropped, by the way, before we jump into this. Sub 600 OPS against lefties this season. Yeah. I mean, so have- I, I tweeted this stat. They have a 73 uh, WRC plus, which means they are exactly Nikki Lopez. The entire team is exactly Nikki Lopez against lefties. 
That's horrible. And before we get into it, remember when I said Andrew Benatendi is one of the most overrated players in baseball? Oh, you're and gonna you're gonna you're gonna cash that in no, after five don't games. Don't cash it Cashing right now. it in now no. before no. it gets worse. He's one for twenty three with the Yankees so far. Oh my god! I didn't realize yeah, that I mean he has one hit, and Joey Gallo is two for five with the so, Dodgers. He's in four hundred. <laughs> two for five. He's hitting yeah. four hundred. I can't wait till Ben Attendee hits the walk off to, to to really help the Yankees win a huge series, and and everyone's gonna they're gonna go mum. Uh, yeah, he, but he, he might hit five home runs this year. He's at three. We'll see. We'll see. Jack's pissed off about the Andrew Ben Attendee. I'm take. not I'm ready cashing for you to dance in. on his grave yet. It's I'm not dancing. At bats. It's twenty four at bats. It's and he's got one hit in those. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, it is 23 at bats. It's 23. Yeah, it's one, for, yeah. one for 23. That means yeah. you know, one hit and 23 at bats. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, I'm not ready to dance on his grave yet. I think we can dance on his grave when he gets to 50, uh, but he is less than halfway there. Um, yeah. I So you're going to see Peyton Burdick arm today. Yep. Uh, Peyton Burdick in his Cape League debut had a three homer game, got signed to a permanent contract. So in his yep. major league debut, Super awesome. I'm thinking three homer game signed to a 10 year, $500 million deal. Well, so technically yesterday was the debut. <laughs> o for three, three Ks. Um that but, is a hat trick. So, but we don't count that, right? So like that's that was like the that was like a tester. He was feeling it out. So we're gonna see the real thing today. Uh I I think we're gonna get a hit today. I think we're gonna get Peyton Burdick's first hit, which actually shared a host family uh with him in the game. He wasn't there when I was there. He was there, so there the summer before, yeah. but stayed with the family that ended up uh, you know, taking care of me the next summer, Michael and Barbara. So they're extremely excited. Um and and obviously very proud of Peyton. So uh hopefully we'll be able to catch his first big league hit today. So a uh, silver lining is I might be able to catch the first hit uh because yesterday it wasn't just Peyton. Justin Steele punched out 10 Marlins in four and two thirds. Um yeah. you know that sometimes yeah. like Peter likes to say sometimes you get Justin Steeled. <laughs> and he's been terrible on the road, and he just carved through that Marlins offense. Drew Smiley may put up something similar with wind blowing out. But the Cubs got Edward Cabrera, which was awesome. That so is that true. Cabrera looked unreal. He looked great. Um, But yeah, I Aram, we don't want to hold you back from seeing Peyton Burdick, so just hop right into the NL East. All right, we'll start with the Mets, who... I would say the Mets were quiet for their standards and what we were expecting, but I'm still going to give them a solid B minus because they went out, they get Darren Ruff from the Giants for J.D. Davis and three minor league pitchers. They also got Daniel Vogelbach for Colin Holderman. They got Tyler Naquin and Philip Deal from the Reds for Hector Rodriguez and Jose Acuna. And then they also added Michael Givens. These were all great additions, just not the sexiest of additions. I give them a B minus because they're better. Um, they satisfy specific needs, which was, look, if you're not going to get the one big time player, take a page out of the Giants 2021 book and go for the platoon that builds almost a great player. Darren Ruff demolishes lefties. Tyler Naquin crushes righties. Daniel Vogelback crushes righties. You put those two guys together, you've got a really productive player. And then Michael Givens, Peter's talked about it on the show, really likes the addition. I, I think you can't doubt that Michael Givens helps their bullpen because he's not going to be asked to close games out. That's your sixth or seventh inning guy. Quiet by the Mets standards, but they were loud prior to this season. So we always have to remember that as well. They kind of made the smaller moves that I think kind of shore up some of the questions they had. B minus because it's good, but nothing too crazy. I thought they'd be a bit more aggressive. 
they also pretty much got DeGrom back at the deadline. Like it, it was right at the deadline. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom made a season debut. So I like the Mets had everything there. They were already one of the favorites in the National League before the deadline. They they didn't need to add Juan Soto. Obviously, Mets fans heard the possibility of Juan Soto and got super excited. Um, but it didn't make sense for them because what do you do? You ship out Francisco Alvarez and Vientos and Beatty for so like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I think the Mets did things that made sense and they know that if they want to spend, they can spend it in free agency in the off seasons. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to find a greedier fan base than the New York Mets fans. Ah. If you, I mean, if you, if you, if you go over Twitter and you just look at the reaction to the trade deadline, you would have think they did absolutely nothing. Went to arms point. I totally agree with what you were saying. They had a, probably a B minus deadline. They could have done more kind of similar to the blue Jays should have done more, but the Blue Jays were in a worse position. They really needed starting pitching, and the Mets are one of the best teams in baseball. And I was listening to an interview with uh, Billy Epler, and it was kind of clear that the Pete Crow Armstrong deal for Javier Baez really sits with him. Um, I mean, now Pete Crow Armstrong looks like one of the better prospects in baseball, and I don't think he wanted to trade a Vientos or even more for Wilson Contreras at this deadline, remembering that in the back of his head. I thought the Mets did a fine job, could have obviously done more, could have used Wilson Contreras, could have used David Robertson, but overall, solid deadline. I've always been curious how that type of move affects a GM, because obviously you can look at Bloom and like he's probably uh, hard-pressed after the Mookie Betts deal. Like he failed that Mookie Betts deal. But I'm thinking about, you know, a a guy for prospects. I'm thinking about um, Pittsburgh going to get Chris Archer for Tyler Glass now, Shane Boz, (laughs) and um, who was the other one? Uh, Meadows. Yeah, and Austin Meadows. Like, I I would just never make a trade again. I think that's the thing. I'd go into finance after that one. I'd call it quits. Right. Like trading a big leaguer for, you know, like a prospect return. Like obviously Heim has to look at that and be like, yeah, I fucked up. Like that was, that was bad on my part, but you have no idea that Boz is going to turn into what he turns into. Like, obviously you have an inkling that he has that potential, but I mean, yeah, first round pick, but you're hoping that he turns into the prospect that Shane Boz has become. He obviously unlocked something with Tampa. You know what I mean? So seeing Pete Crow Armstrong develop into this, that's got to, yeah, obviously make you a little bit sheltered and keep your prospects closer to vest, but that can't totally deter you from making these moves. You've got to be able to have some balls as a GM, I think. I agree, but also when you look at what the Mets situation is now, right, you have deep pockets. You can't buy prospects outside of international free agency, which has its own limitations. You can't go crazy there and just and just purchase every single player, right? You have your your international free agent pool. It's hard to build a farm system, and you can't spend your way out of a bad farm system. It's pretty tough to do that. So I think for the Mets, they're like that's the one thing that you know we can't just lean on on uh, our very wealthy owner here, uh, Uncle Steve, and just buy us out of it. So. They want to keep that organizational depth. And I, I'm I'm glad they did that to a degree. I think a Mark Vientos was expendable. Um, I think that's a one guy you could have moved. But again, they made that aggressive move last year. And I think like Peter said, it it it, it probably still left a bad taste in Billy Upper's mouth. I'm very interested in what you have to say about the Braves. <laughs> I like the Braves. I like what they did. 
I'm going to give the Braves a B plus because I love how active they were. And again, satisfying the needs that they need, everything they needed. They go out and they get Rizel Iglesias for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. They get Robbie Grossman from the Tigers for a left-handed pitching prospect. They get Will Smith for Jake Oder, or they swap Will Smith, excuse me, for Jake Oderizzi, which perfectly suits a need that they had. They also get the greatest player of all time, according to Jack McMullen and Adrianza. I can never even say his first name for Trey Harris. And then they also got a draft pick earlier in this whole ordeal, which I loved that approach as well. And then they extend Austin Riley, who looks like a clear cut MVP candidate for 10 years, $212 million. So between the extension and the other moves, I would say the deadline itself and the moves that they've made is a solid B but then the extension puts them at a B plus. I love the Rizel Iglesias move, right? That's a salary dump by the angels. They're buying low on a guy who was on a team that just was clearly faltering, was not pitching to the best of his ability. The peripherals look really good. I'll bet that Iglesias is going to tick back up. Peter's talked about how he thinks Robbie Grossman is going to be one of the most underrated additions. And this does have a little bit of that reminiscence of uh, Eddie Rosario last year, Again, if, if Grossman stinks, he stinks. They gave up nothing. I love swapping Smith for, for Odorizzi because they need starting pitching depth right now, and they went out and satisfied the bullpen. They also have a litany of lefties right now in that stable. And then, of course, locking up Austin Riley is just brilliant. So they did a great job. And again, we've talked about Alex Anthopoulos. He plays chess. I think he's the best exec in baseball, and he had a great deadline once again. I got nothing to add. I mean – just broken down. I, the only thing I would add is I would give it closer to an A minus. I thought they yeah. really killed it. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Thought they killed it. I thought they killed it too. Um, and, and my favorite move that I think they've made um, was Will Smith for Jacob Arizzi because mm-hmm. they could use starting pitching depth. Will Smith, even though he was the highest paid guy in that bullpen he always kind of felt like the odd man out, right? Because you had Mincer, Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik last year, and then Will Smith on the back end. And Will Smith was a good closer, but we talk about it all the time on this show. Relievers spawn out of nowhere. Like, you don't need to pay them $15 million. And Will Smith was having bad outings. If you're going to pay a reliever $15 million, they better have the pedigree of Kenley Jansen or have the stuff of Rysel Iglesias. And guess That's what? Correct. Now they have both. They've yeah. got the pedigree of Kenley Jansen in Kenley Jansen. They've got the stuff of Rysel Iglesias in Rysel Iglesias. So you move Will Smith um, to a team that is really good. I think Will Smith is going to benefit the Astros, not in a closer role. Presley holds down that spot. Smith is just another good bullpen piece for them. Um, but having Matzik back, having A.J. Minter, having the year that he's having right now, You did not need Will Smith anymore. What you could use is an upgrade to your starting pitching depth. And we really like Kyle Muller. We really liked Tucker Davidson in Atlanta. I still like him in Anaheim. Um, I just think behind Freed and Morton and Anderson, who just put together a pretty decent start for a minute. You got to hope. Yeah, like I I think adding another arm to that fold was massive for them. Talk. And talk about just relievers real quick. I mean, David Lee is a guy who's just spawned for them, who's a lefty. Jackson Stevens is another guy who's pitched very well for them. They just continue to push out these relievers. So trading a lefty when they have about four in their pen already, and he's the highest paid, and then you upgrade on top of him, the Riley extension, are you kidding me? The more I talk about it, the more I want to give him an A arm. That was 
the Riley extension was the best non-Soto move of the deadline. Literally. Yeah. Joe Musgrove. Extended. Joe Musgrove's there too. Yeah. I think both of those were are, are right next to each other. Last thing I'll say too is Ian Anderson's really been struggling and you hope he bounces back. He's he's shown to be able to pitch in the postseason, but right now he's not even pitching in the regular season. The acquisition of Jake Odorizzi takes a little bit of that pressure off of needing Ian Anderson to to step up uh, and be that guy because it's pretty pretty crazy if you really remember the fact that he's 24 years old. So Ian Anderson's still young, and, and you can almost consider this his sophomore slump. Hopefully he figures it out, but similar to Trevor Rogers, it seems like these talented pitchers are, are struggling a bit, and we'll see if he adjusts, but Odorizzi can can eat important innings. Uh, and Kenley Jansen seems like he's, he's kind of on the mend and, and ready to kind of get back to what he was doing last year. They've got one of the best bullpens in baseball now, and and their lineup has always been good. Yeah, hundred percent. Phillies, Phillies are going to get a B for me, and I teetered between B and B minus. I lean B because I think they did exactly what they needed to do, and they don't have the best farm system ever. They go out and they get Noah Syndergaard from the Angels for Mickey Moniak and another prospect. They go get Brandon Marsh. For Logan Ohapi, Brandon Marsh plugs right into center field for them. They get David Robertson for prospect Ben Brown. Robertson is probably the, their most trustworthy reliever now. And they also got Edmundo Sosa, shortstop from the Cardinals, for JoJo Romero. Syndergaard is not Thor anymore, which is, it, it's a very, it's not the best nickname because he's really just a pitch to weak contact guy now. And I yes. feel like you just can't call a guy like that Thor. Uh, but at the same time, he helps them big time, right? I mean, this is still a sub four FIP guy. He can eat innings in the back end of your rotation. They really needed that. I We've talked about Brandon Marsh on here. Um, I, at the very least, you have a defender out there. He's not going to be a worse hitter than Odubel Herrera. I think he's got way more upside and years of control, and you're hoping he's going to develop. But at the very least, he is giving you great defense and speed and center. Robertson and, and Sosa, lower key moves. Robertson, I think, could end up being the biggest impact guy for them, though. And Sosa, having a shortstop you can plug in defensively or kind of all over the infield, that is a great defender. That's huge. Uh, nothing crazy sexy that puts him over the top, but – they would have had to part with two elite prospects to do that. They didn't have that. I think they did the best with what they could, especially given that it's Dave freaking Dombrowski being more low key. This deadline is, is uncharacteristic. Super uncharacteristic. Um, the personality and the character difference between Brandon Marsh and Odubel Herrera. Brandon yeah. Marsh is in the penthouse. Odubel Herrera is in the mailroom in the basement. Um, the only thing I want to add to that is the Phillies. We've talked about it all year long. Speed and defense. Where's the speed and defense? Edmundo Sosa and Brandon Marsh, speed and defense. That's it. Yeah. I I, I think the Phillies understood that they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And it didn't make sense to part with a Mick Abel or an Andrew Painter or any of these guys in order to really go for it. You look at the NL playoff race, there's going to be three wild cards. Padres just locked up one. Either the Braves or the Mets are going to get one. And more than likely, one of the Brewers or the Cardinals are going to get one. And the Phillies are most likely going to be on the outside looking in. So I like that they didn't mortgage the farm to arms point. Because even if they did, I don't think they catch any of those three teams. Well, and, and also it feels like their season hinges on something that's out of their control, which is how does Bryce Harper return from a thumb injury? That is, you know, we don't know how much that's going to impact his swing. I mean, it's such an explosive hitter and he's already dealing with an elbow injury. So it, your, your best player, your MVP, you could go all in. And if he doesn't come back and isn't right, then what did you do it for? So I think they did a, a great low cost kind of piece it together, satisfy some needs. 
uh, while while not mortgaging the future. And, and Brandon Marsh is, is now a piece for them for the next four years, right? This is a guy that you're hoping you can develop uh, in a new situation where he can he can start to swing it a bit better with new eyes. And uh, we haven't really had any reason to believe that the Angels can develop, you know, offensive prospects. Mike Trout's an alien. Shohei Otani's an alien. Um, who else have they really developed offensively? Joe Adele has floundered. So I, I'm really excited for the for the change of scenery for Marsh because again, I, that's a guy I really do like, and I, I'm interested to see how that how that goes over for him. Did they develop Renhifo, or was he <laughs> traded to them? He was <laughs> traded. You got I, I couldn't even answer that. <laughs> Renhifo was traded. David McKinnon. I wouldn't necessarily call what he does being developed. Um, <laughs> And then was so mean. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking like trying to just make a joke about somebody, but I can't even like make a joke about anyone because there's just nobody that has like been anywhere close to being what what we think development looks like for a hitter. It is what it is. <laughs> Let's get it to the bottom of the NL East. Oh, oh, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for that lead in. <laughs> We'll go with yeah, the, the or no, we'll Let's go talk the about the shitty teams. We'll go with the Marlins first because this one's super easy. They get a C plus because wow. they did make one good move, but that is it. They trade Zach Pop and Anthony Bass and a player to be named later to the Blue Jays for infielder Jordan, Jordan Groshans. The end. That's it. That's all they did. Jordan Groshans is a much needed bat in their system, even though I question his ability to impact the baseball. He's 22 in AAA. He's put up good numbers in double, and they need infielders really bad, and they need bats of ball guys. I'm frustrated that they didn't make any other moves, but the more I look into and the more I've heard details about the Pablo Lopez negotiations probably made sense for them to hold on to him. I don't know why Garrett Cooper is still on the team. I don't know why Jesus Aguilar and some of the other guys are still on the team, but at the same time, uh, they didn't force anything and they're better off than they were before. They traded a rule five draft pick and uh, a disastrous reliever last year for a guy who was on our top 100 list prior to the season. It's it's not a great deadline. I give him a C plus. You're do you're way too kind. You're way too kind here because I do you. I don't know if you love Jordan Groshans. Not to I say don't. that they lost the trade, but Jordan Groshans was top 100. Probably won't be anymore. And to your point, I mean, I let you rant about it because and everything that you said was accurate. People love that rant. I, I thought you were going to give them a D, maybe even no. a D minus. What? So what? They trade Jesus Aguilar for like a DSL auto ticket. They trade Cooper, maybe get a couple pieces. Uh, that's my only thing. I wish they traded Cooper. Um, but, you know, what else could they really do? I, the more I was thinking about it, I'm like, my rant is more of my frustration with the way they've just approached everything. Yeah. Um, and now I have no idea what their direction is. But in the deadline in itself, in a vacuum, they traded a rule five pick and a whatever reliever who's having a great year for now their fourth best prospect or fifth best prospect, depending on how you want to stack it up. Yeah. I feel like it's got to be a net positive, right? No, that makes sense. Jack, what do you think? Uh, I mean, like the Marlins are just, I I appreciate what Arm's saying about looking at it in a vacuum because yes. the Marlins and other teams of that market size just run different races than other teams at the trade deadline. And um, I, I think the only way that they get a a good grade, like a B or a B plus, is if they move Pablo Lopez for a great haul, like a Luis Castillo type haul. But if they got a Frankie Montas type haul, 
that's not good enough. I would have given him a D. Yeah, it would have sucked. Like you are, you're playing with fire if you're the Miami Marlins because you have to ace it. And Kim Ang probably didn't feel like she was going to ace the Pablo Lopez deal, so she held on to Pablo Lopez. I thought that was a really measured, smart decision on her end. If you're not going to get the best deal you possibly can for this yeah. guy, hold him, that's have him succeed, try again next year. Yeah, because Pablo Lopez is not 30 or anything. You know, it's not even in a contract year. You didn't need to trade Pablo Lopez. And Pablo Lopez should factor into the Marlins' plans, like their future plans, especially with Trevor Rogers struggling, Sandy being an absolute Max Meyer's elbow. Yeah, Max Meyer. Mm -hmm. But Yuri Perez looks great. But you just saw Yuri Perez. um, And you said secondaries. Yeah, and he got shelled. Oh, God. (laughs) They're so toast. He got (laughs) shelled. He went one and two-thirds, six innings, uh, or six runs, I mean. So, I mean, that's part of the thing, too, though. I think Max Meyer's elbow going, Edward Cabrera's injury concerns, Jesus Lazardo's injury concerns. Like, we celebrate the Marlins for their pitching depth, and they have a lot of pitching upside. get hurt. (laughs) But they have so many guys that are hurt that if it's not this franchise-altering package, which – you know, I know that the Yankees and Marlins discussed Glaber Torres, and that would have been a meme in itself, Peter. Uh, that would have been so funny. Uh, but, you know, he's having a good year and would be a good piece for them ultimately. But is that, you know, moving the needle for you? Probably not. Um, you know, that's where I, I appreciate them not forcing it. My big frustration is that it's the larger issue here. And, and I'm very interested to see how they approach the offseason. But I'm okay with them not forcing deals at this deadline. If the offseason is more of the same and they say, let's run it back with Garrett Cooper and friends, um, I'm going to be pissed. But, you know, there, there's no reason to, to force it here at the deadline if you don't have to. Yeah, you what do you think of Charles LeBlanc? He's lit. He's already been picked off twice. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a true Marlin already. He fits right in, dude. No, but you convinced me. You convinced me. I think that's a solid grade because in a vacuum, you're totally right. What about but, those nationals who got the biggest trade? Yeah. What I will say, ever? though, is in the offseason, if they don't do shit, we're going to circle back on this and I'll give them a fat F <laughs> okay, um, good. because it's Fair. the appetizer for for what was a disaster. The The nationals are the hardest one to peg for me. Ryan Finkelstein and I, we went on, on uh, the uh, State of the Division podcast and we gave them an N.A., but I'm going to give them an actual grade in a second. But I just wanted to preface with that because they did well on the package. But like I mentioned this, I think my mom could negotiate with GMs and just be like, go on MLB pipeline and just pick the the four best prospects and be like, I want those guys for Juan Soto and, and get something solid, right? Like I, I don't want to celebrate them for trading the most valuable asset to ever hit the market uh, and getting a good return. So like, I, I know, you, we looked at like Jim Bowden's article. He he gave them an A. I don't know if I can give them an A because that that's just Soto. It's Soto. You and traded Bell. Juan Soto and, and Bell, right? You and you attached, you know, Bell. So like that's pretty easy to get a sick return. I'm gonna give them just a B because like great, you got you got a franchise altering return and the breakdown again one last time. Juan Soto and Josh Bell for C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore. Robert Hassel III, James Wood, Harlan Susana, and Luke Foyt. They also traded Adrianza for Trey Harris, which Trey Harris is actually probably a top 30 guy for them, which is pretty funny. So that's actually not a bad move. They get a B for me because it's like, okay, you did well. Fangraphs put it very well. They doubled the value of their organization in terms of talent 
in this trade alone. So, yeah. I mean, they did well there. They also get a first baseman now who they could maybe flip in the future uh, or also just gives them a sense of presentability in the meantime. Uh, but, I mean, how much credit are we going to give Rizzo for getting a good package for the best player to ever hit the open market? Yeah. Now, quick follow-up question. What data was Fangraphs using to figure out that they doubled their farm value? <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. That's an, if you know, you know, one right there. Um, shout out, shout out fan graphs and their comments on our YouTube videos. What's up? Um, What's up guys? Um, yeah. So if, if a B is like an 85%, I want to up them to an 86% for getting out of Eric Hosmer and getting Luke Voigt instead. That was, that was awesome. That was something that they were not planning on, but they did it. Um, I also want to give them a little bit of credit for IDing Harleen Sosana. Like that's not a guy. I, that's a guy did a dive on recently. He yeah. he he's hitting triple digits. He's six six two thirty five with a wipeout slider, and he's eighteen Intention. nineteen. Like anybody, I you me like any of us three on this Zoom right now, and I think like really any baseball fan again could pull up pipeline and you know pick Gore Abrams Hassel Wood. Like there you go. But it's hard to find Harleen Susana, and they did it. And, and I give them credit for taking that as the fifth or sixth piece in that deal. But at the same time, I want to dock them right back down to an 85% because I feel that they could have attached Patrick Corbin's contract with Juan Soto and gotten back a similar type deal instead of then giving up Josh Bell. And we kind of debated, you know, how what was Josh Bell's true value, but I just value him as one of the best switchers in baseball and a guy who's probably going to hit fourth in one of the most loaded offenses in baseball. I just feel that they could have attached the ton of money for Patrick Corbin, but while I'm saying that at the same time, they need arms right now. Like we were debating that kind of um, on one of my Twitter spaces and on the TikTok lives, like with Patrick Corbin, you look at the Nationals rotation as bad as he's pitched, they need him because you <laughs> send away Patrick Corbin and who do you have instead? So just to play baseball, they still need Patrick Corbin, but I would have liked them to attach all that money, make the Padres take him instead of a bell, then flip bell for a top 100 prospect. That's where I would bump them right up to a B plus, but I'm bringing them back down to that 85% that arm gave them. So, yeah, you know, what's interesting with that is, is I would agree if it was any other team besides the Padres, because it was interesting. Jason Stark put something out recently of multiple executives saying, we have no idea what the hell the San Diego Padres business model is. How are they making money? Because their, their you know, payroll is so high uh, and and they are not, quote unquote, a big market, but they are. Let's call the Padres what they, they are. They're sell a, big a fuck ton of tickets. They sell a shit ton of tickets. And also they have two of the top selling jerseys and Tatis and Machado. And now they're going to have that with Soto. But I, I do think there's a level of like, I don't know if the Padres are like the Dodgers where they can go over the luxury tax. Um, and also, as Jack always talks about, someone's got to go out there and wear those six innings of eight run ball <laughs> every fifth day. Um, and, and that's Patrick Corbin, but no, you know, I, I think we could, we could probably look at ways where they could have done slightly better here or there, but let's say that the nationals really love James Wood and you're not getting James Wood in this deal, unless you would attach Josh Bell. Um, 
that might be worth it, right? If you believe in James Wood, if your scouting department says, hey, we think that this guy is going to be closer to his ceiling than his floor. And I know, again, John Heyman reported on that. And, and you really like Susana, who apparently has even touched 103. Um, that that might be enough for them to say, hey, let's attach let's attach Bell here because we really like these two guys. And um, yeah. that I, I think that might be the big reason why why they did it. Also, shout out their owner, Peter Seidler. I mean, I remember the Padres not that long ago, like struggling to pay anybody. I remember yep. the Chase Headley days, like they wouldn't pay anyone. And now they bring in everybody and they say, you know what? Fuck it. We're all in. Like there's so many owners in baseball that just drag their own teams through the mud. Yeah, I mean, the Reds had a great deadline and we're going to talk about the Central in a second, but. Uh, I don't, like, I'm not familiar with any owners dragging their teams through the mud. Yes, so. exactly. Yes. I wouldn't know that the Padres owner has been phenomenal since he moved in. Like you can't, you can't diss him at all. He's going for it. And I love it. I love turning into an unreal baseball town. I'll tell you that it really is. Kobe was just out there. He said it was a blast. And I, when I went out there, even before this whole thing, uh, it was, it was awesome. It's a really top five park. Yep. I was watching uh I was watching the pregame show on Valley Sports San Diego and they just kept on flashing the line to get into the ballpark before Soto's debut. I mean it was wrapped around and then one quick thing that I want to mention Derek Togerson uh who works at NBC Sports San Diego uh, he tweeted this out. Quick story. At Petco Park yesterday I ran into Peter Seidler. I said thank you for doing what you're doing. He turned and said, "Quote, it's the easiest thing in the world for me to do. We're going to win." Like that is how owners should be operating. Nobody should buy a baseball team if you don't want that baseball team to win the World Series. Peter Seidler wants the Padres to win the World Series. Fire me up. Also, named Peter makes yeah. sense. Smart guy alerts. <laughs> Even the Mariners, like I like what they're doing. I mean, they're spending a little bit in spots. And uh, the last thing I'll say on on the national side of things is, look, you, you trade Juan Soto, it stinks. But you remember we talked about this prior to this season. We said the Nationals are so fucked long term. Their system sucks. They have no controllable pieces outside of the two guys they got for, you know, Trey Turner with, uh, you know, Keeper Ruiz and, and Josiah Gray. Do they need to trade Juan Soto? And look, this makes their future overall look look a lot better because I think Gore is is obviously going to slot right into the rotation. Abrams is their starting shortstop, and then Hassel should be up, you know, at some point in the next two years. And then you have two really exciting prospects in Wood and Susana, who both should be top 100 guys. I mean, Wood already is. Susana might not be far away. That that's that really helps their outlook. Uh, but of course, it always hurts when you trade a Soto. But at least there's a plan and a direction here, uh, and we'll see if they can kind of keep things rolling. I yeah. can't wait for Jack to talk about the Central. Uh, well, congratulations to the Milwaukee Brewers for winning their first game since trading Josh Hader. Um, they had lost five in a row, four in a row or five in a row after trading Hader, but they just got a win against the Reds. So they are back on the up and up tied for the division lead with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Let's start with the Brewers. I'm going to give them a C. They traded Hader to San Diego for Taylor Rogers, Denelson Lamette, who they shortly DFA'd, uh, Esteori Ruiz, and Robert Gasser. They acquired Trevor Rosenthal for Tristan Peters from San Francisco, and they acquired I Matt want to talk Bush about that. from Texas for Mark Mathias and Antoine Kelly. Uh, floor is yours on the Trevor Rosenthal thing. What, what I will say off the top and why I'm giving them a C, obviously, from an optics perspective, Awful, like horrible that you trade Josh Hader. Just horrible. First place team, you're trading one of the greatest closers in recent memory. Um, but you get, in return, 
Taylor Rogers, Trevor Rosenthal, and Matt Bush to replace the yeah, work of exactly. Josh Hader, and Devin Williams was closer ready. Yeah, no, and you get two two solid prospects as well in Asiri Ruiz and, and Robert Gasser. But he, this is the weirdest trade I think I've seen in a long time. Is is the the Trevor Rosenthal deal? He signed a contract like two weeks ago. Yeah, right. And and they could have signed him. That was a guy that a lot of people wanted. You know, I know a lot of Brewers fans wanted wanted to sign. You know, Trevor Rosenthal. You don't sign him. Then two weeks later, he hasn't pitched yet. You trade a solid prospect to the Giants for him. Tristan Peters, look, I, I don't think you're you're going to lose sleep over him becoming a Hall of Famer, but this guy is an above average hit tool. He's 22 years old. He can play, I, I think, all three outfield spots. And he's hitting 306, 386, 485 in high A, just got the bump to double A, seven home runs, 13 bags. Like, you just traded that guy for a guy you could have signed two weeks ago. Yeah. That's the weirdest move I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Jack, I think you're being way too kind again. I think it's like a D. They didn't win any of the trades. Which trade did they win? And then they just immediately DFA Denelson Lamette. I just thought they lost every single trade that they made to that Trevor Rosenthal point. Like, what did they do? And then optically, to your point, that matters. Like, they're in first place. The Cardinals had a pretty solid deadline. And now they're probably going to fall out of first place. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a losing streak, barely squeak into the last wild card. They didn't add offense. And while they have been hitting well as a team, come playoff time, we saw what happened last year with the Braves. They basically just showed up, struck out every single time, and then went home. It's exactly what's going to happen again. You can have all the pitching in the world, but if you don't add offense, you trade away your best closer that also just sucked for their locker room no wonder they've been losing because the 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 air is out of the balloon now with the brewers we're gonna do our top five winners and our top five losers spoiler alert the brewers are gonna be in there because i thought they got a d d minus i thought their deadline sucked if i'm being honest i see both sides there honestly i'm not trying to play both sides i really do um because i i see where jack's coming from on the fact that yes they subtract hater they get a good a good return subjectively speaking like it, it, it's relatively yeah. a good return yeah and and rogers plugs in then you get rosenthal and you get matt bush so from like a like a team team reliever standpoint devin williams has been great it makes some sense but when you take another step back and say hey this is a guy that might be a hall of fame closer and you just traded him in the midst of a first in the midst of being in first place yeah it's really hard to digest that yeah. um and then also the rosenthal move is weird uh again i, I want to give sarah langs one more shout out on this the, the fact that this is only the second time that we've seen an all-star traded from a first-place team. Um, she tweeted that out. And, and again, the only other time was Lester for Cespedes, which was the most insane one-for-one swap ever of two impact big leaguers. This is not close to that. Um, I think is is kind of a testament. And again, when you have to put out a statement after you make a trade, it's probably an optic nightmare. And, and it was an optic nightmare. Devin Williams gets the closer job, but he's not even excited about it because he knows what it means. He said, I want to win. And he blows um, his first opportunity after that. Yeah. Just, are you just, are you still staying with the C Jack after hearing all this? Or I mean, because it's not that I disagree. Like all of the analysis was perfect. I just like I thought you gave them too high of a letter grade. If they were in second place or third place, I think it would be. If they like, were in second place, I think it was a C plus. Um, yes. Like, for example, I I gave that I gave the Red Sox a C minus. Like I think the Red Sox had a little bit better of a deadline, even though it was weird and wasn't very good. Like we're gonna go over our top five losers, and the Red Sox aren't in it. I, I think maybe it was we the should same, put them in it. We can I think it was it. the same 
quality of deadline as the Red Sox. So I'll, I'll lower to a C minus, but I don't think it's a D plus because I yeah, you look no. at Gasser and Ruiz and Rogers. Yeah, like Gasser and Ruiz coming back for Hater. Yeah. They weren't going to pay Hater. Again, we talk about it. They're running a different race. Like yeah. Milwaukee, I understand American Family Field is great, but it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like you're not going to pay Josh Hader after he makes 15 and ARB next year and then he hits the open market. You've got Devin Williams there. Wouldn't you rather have 12 combined years of service time with Estiori Ruiz and Robert Gasser? Absolutely, but couldn't you have, if you were going to trade Josh Hader and you probably always knew you were going to do it. That was the best deal point. you were going to get for Hader. But why didn't you do it in the offseason or even before? Like, I would even argue that right now with Hader's struggles lately and with just a less and less years of control, that you kind of didn't get the best package that yeah, you I could don't, have gotten. I don't think they would have expected him to, to hit a wall here. You know? I know, like it, I know. And, but then and, as soon as he does, now he's gone? I yeah, don't know. That's, that's just, the unfortunate timing. But I think they had to the, the way here. Are you selling lower by trading him now when he's struggling a bit and his track record speaks for itself? Or are you selling lower in the offseason when there's less control and and now you know teams aren't as desperate? I think I think that that's why I agree. You side. had to do it now, so I get that, but it's just still, unfortunate. Like I just don't think they made a trade this deadline where they came out a winner in any of them. I to that I say time will tell. Yeah, time will tell on that's Ruiz fair. and Gasser. Yeah. Um, all right. Cardinals, Cardinals kicked ass. I give them a B plus. They acquired Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton for Johan Oviedo and Malcolm Nunez. Nunez was a fine prospect. Quintana is a massive ad. He just had a one run start in his first start. Stratton's not good. Chris Stratton is not good, but if he had to be attached to the Quintana deal, fine. I loved this swap for St. Louis. They acquired Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. They acquired Austin Allen, the catcher from Oakland for Carlos Guarate, who is a very low minor league pitcher. And then they traded Edmundo Sosa to Philly for Jojo Romero. They got a reliever in Romero. They got a third catcher in Austin Allen, maybe a second catcher. They got two left-handed starters. They needed two starters. They got two starters, one of which everybody knew was on the move. The other one, nobody knew was on the move. And I thought that Montgomery was a phenomenal ad for St. Louis. B plus. I went at you for the Brewers thing, but couldn't agree more with the Cardinals. Great B plus. Very solid deadline. Doesn't get into the A range because I think they still could have done a little bit more. Like if they were the team to add the Luis Castillo or the Frankie Montas or really add a lockdown guy, but they went for depth instead, which is also not a bad move. I like the Jordan Montgomery trade for them. I also liked it for the Yankees, but I definitely like it for them. Jordan Montgomery is going to face the Yankees today against Domingo Herman. This is the one game where I hope the Yankees fucking lose. So Domingo Herman just gets sent to the moon. I mean, I'm so sick of this dude. And the fact that they got Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana, very solid deadline. B plus perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the moves they made. Of course, their system is so good. I was hoping that they'd make a splash. We know that's not their MO, and um, they're better. Uh, they needed pitching. We asked for pitching. They got pitching. It's not the sexiest of arms, but, I mean, they swap. A, good. Yeah, Quintana's been really good this year, yeah. and, and, and Jaymont's consistent as it gets. So you know, I think they feel pretty comfortable there. My only concern with this team, and they didn't answer it, is, again, we talked about this, Peter and I, but, like, Outside of Wayno, who do you trust in the postseason on the on this on this in this rotation? Who do you sure. trust? I do not trust Dakota Hudson. Who gets the ball game two? Probably Jamon at this point. Jamon. 
So they get yeah, like that's that's my concern. At the end of the day, that the Cardinals find a way to just keep runs off the board, and their bullpen's been really solid. But man, that that's my one issue is is you are going to be at a disadvantage every pitching matchup in the postseason. You really are, uh, and and Adam Wainwright's going to have to be magical, which is very possible. Yeah, it's very but possible. <laughs> again, they're, they're putting a lot of stock into. Uh, everything other than their rotation. But again, think about what you said. They somehow keep runs off the board. Like it took Chris Taylor walking it off in the wild card game in a Wayno versus Max Scherzer game. That yeah. game should be Max Scherzer 10 times out of 10, but Wayno kept him in it. So Wayno might keep him in it. Montgomery might keep him. In it. Like this is what the Cardinals do. Quintana. Then Quintana. They were going to run into a problem like this regardless. If they went and got Castillo, Castillo game one, Wainwright game two, then who? Feel a lot better. It's I'd feel a lot better too. You can still but, make I mean, the Daymont trade. Quintana. You swapped, you swapped your outfield for him. So yeah. you swapped your outfielder for him. So if it was Castillo, I'd feel great about Wayno, that. and Jamont, I'd feel fantastic. If they got compared. Castillo, it would have been an A plus. Yeah. I gotta no. say, I think I think we're underrating Quintana here a little bit, saying Jamont would be a starter over him. I think Quintana's been better than him, and I think he'd get a start over Jamont. I mean, Jamont's steady Eddie, but there's a reason the Yankees don't want him pitching in big time playoff games. Like if he's starting game two for the Cardinals. I want you to watch 90 on the outside corner and tell me that that might not be sent 500 feet in game one of in game two of the NLDS. Okay. Like Jose Quintana. I understand that the ERA looks good, but this is not the Jose Quintana that I watch with the white Sox. Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana has had the best year for a guy that spikes my blood pressure. Every time he throws a pitch. That's more than fair. More than fair. So did you um, reds reds? The Reds got an A+. plus. Like, this is how you attack the deadline if you are a seller. They traded Luis Castillo to Seattle for Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Levi Stout, Andrew Moore. They traded Tyler Malley to Minnesota for Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Steve Hazard. They traded Brandon Drury for Victor Acosta. They got rid of Tommy Pham for cash, and they traded Tyler Naquin and Philip Deal for two DSL guys for the Mets. This is how you sell at the deadline. Every yep. piece that has a little bit of control that you can get rid of that you don't see in the window opening three years from now, you get rid of. They did it. They did it on time with everybody, and they maximized their return for Castillo and Mali, which were the two big ones. So this is this is the best way to put it. Um, and, and of course, it, it gets disrupted a little bit. We talk about our top thirty prospects moved at the deadline. Um, of course, the the Soto Hall is gonna is gonna get in between a lot of the prospects that the Reds got. But the Reds still brought in the number two prospect at the deadline for us. The number seven, the number eight, uh, and that's Steer and Arroyo as well. Victor Acosta is the thirteenth ranked prospect moved. Like that is, and also the nineteenth ranked prospect in uh Encarnacion Strand. Yeah. 20th ranked prospect in Steven Hadger. Like that is an insane. And then Levi Stout at 29th. Yeah. That is an insane haul to bring in, right? I mean, they've got a third basically of the top 30 prospects moved at the deadline and they didn't trade Juan Soto. Um, their system is now just top three in baseball. They did well in the draft. Uh, they are in a good spot if they handle things properly. That's a big if, but uh, they are building an insane amount of depth. And they're, rem they're reminiscent of the Mariners a couple years ago and what the Mariners were building. It's just, can they ace it the way the Mariners kind of have uh, over the last year or so? I have nothing to add. I thought it's exactly how a seller should sell. 
They cleaned yeah. up. I think they're going to end up winning that Luis Castillo trade. Um, even though the Mariners should have done it. I love that deal for them. Um, I would more point it over to you guys just on the prospect analysis, but like they killed the Mali deal, everything they did well, just a plus. And for that, I say, go listen to the call up. Yeah. yeah. We talk about all the prospects, um, the Cubs D yes. D plus, <laughs> um, they traded David Robertson for Ben Brown. He's good. Uh, they traded Michael Givens to the Mets for Saul Gonzalez. They traded Efros for Hayden Wisniewski. Good. They traded Dixon Machado for Ryan L. Espinal, and they traded Chris Martin for Zach McKinstry. McKinstry, thumbs up. Wisniewski, thumbs up. Ben Brown, thumbs up. Why the fuck are Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ still on this team? Official. Deep dish pizza is bad. Hot dogs are overrated. Hey, you said this and- Friday. I know. And now it's official. It's official because all of Chicago lost at the deadline. I'm about to have some deep dish, so I'll, I'll give my review. Yeah. You're probably going to hate it. Probably all the pizza got worse now. You know what the frustrating part about this is? The moves that they made were great. Like I I, I love the McKinstry fit for them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good low-cost acquisition. You traded Chris Martin. Hayden Wisniewski is a great get for them. They needed you know right-handers who could potentially – who could be pitch? in the back of the rotation. Uh, Wesneski, I think, will stick in the rotation. They get Ben Brown, who I think is one of the more underrated pitching prospects in baseball for Robertson. I'm a big fan of his. Like They did well in the trades that they did make. They're going to get – they're either going to extend Contreras, which I still don't believe is going to happen, or they're going to get that – they shouldn't. I don't think they should. So, I don't or think they get that should. comp pick, right? And – and Amaya, Miguel Amaya's looked really good. I think you've got to feel pretty good about what, what his chances are of contributing at the big league level, I think, eventually pretty soon. There's no way that a team was not making a better offer than a comp pick for Wilson Contreras, right? Like a, you assume a comp pick would be, you know, a back end top 100 guy or just outside the top 100. You don't think someone was beating that offer? I, I feel like someone had to be, right? We we saw, again, what the Cubs did last year, what they were able to get for a rental Rizzo, what they were able to get for a rental uh, in uh, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez. Like, it, they did well in those trades. What changed this year? The only thing that I can think of is that they really think they have a shot to extend Contreras. And if that's the case, then maybe, maybe that's okay. Then maybe we're a little too harsh. I don't know. And that's my only issue with Ian Happ. It's a year of control to trade him. Yes, because he has another year of control as well. So they have next year if they still want to part ways with him. But right now, I mean, he's having the best season he's ever had. This would be a perfect time to capitalize on him. And they chose not to. And then with Wilson Contreras, I mean, you guys summarized it perfectly. It's hard for me to believe that with how big of the package Soto got, I'm not comparing them as players, of course, but Wilson Contreras besides Soto was maybe the biggest bat on the market. And the fact that they didn't trade him when he's about to be a free agent, I think it's dumb to extend him. I mean, it's not dumb because he's still really good, but I just don't truly love that. because You're buying high on a contract year, right? Yeah, and I don't think that's smart. Pirates. Uh, Pirates. Uh, C. <laughs> they traded Quintana and Chris Stratton for Johan Oviedo and Malcolm Nunez. They traded Daniel, Daniel Vogelbach to the Mets for Colin Holderman. They traded Michael Perez to the Mets for cash considerations. They are a C because they kept on going at the same play. Yeah. There was yeah. nothing of intrigue here. Um, yeah, it's, like like nothing. it's like a heartbeat monitor that ain't. Yeah, you're just flatlining. Like there's nothing. Yeah. It's it, nothing 
Colin Holderman could be a good bullpen arm. Great. Um, like Nunez could be. He was our 27th ranked prospect moved at the deadline, right? I mean, this is a Nunez was. He's good. Yeah. He's he's fine. You know, yeah, he's like, a good bat, limited to first probably, or a bad third base. Like, that's it. And yeah, the Reynolds is not moving. That's okay. I get that. What other real major assets did they have to trade? Probably not much. I think they're really focused internally at this point, right? It's 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 how can we. Uh, continue to develop the guys on the inside. I will give them props though in identifying Jose Quintana as a bounce back candidate and turning that into a top 30 prospect um, that, that you got to give them props there. Um, but yeah, that's it. What, um, what the pirates got with Jose Quintana, I think Arizona was hoping for with Melanson and Ian Kennedy. Mm. And they didn't get it either. And they <laughs> and didn't they get it. So I, if one of the three of them was going to hit, I actually would have put Quintana third on that totem pole. I probably would have said Melanson, Kennedy, Quintana. And Quintana was the one that actually got the top 30 prospect in return. So pretty impressive on their end. And then Oviedo can be a bullpen piece too, but that's it. I mean, see, like they, they didn't get better. They didn't get worse. And yeah. West. And we've already talked about the Padres a lot. So like, I feel like the Padres can yeah. be a quick one, Um, but yeah. we'll start with the Dodgers, right, Pete? Yeah, the NL West is one of the more intriguing divisions during this trade deadline because three teams absolutely sucked. One team was easily the best at this deadline. And then I'm going to start with the Dodgers because this is the first time in the past decade where I don't think the Dodgers really killed the deadline. I actually don't think they did very well at all. The trade grade or the trade deadline grade I would give the Los Angeles Dodgers is a C plus. They traded Zach McKinstry to the Cubs for Chris Martin. They got Joey Gallo uh, from the Yankees for Clayton Beater. They traded Mitch White and Alex DeJesus to the Blue Jays for two pitching prospects. Um, they traded Garrett Clevenger to the Rays for Herman Tapia. And they traded Jake Lamb for a player to be named later. I think they may have lost or didn't win every single one of these trades. I know that they have so many prospects. So Zach McKinstry was a guy who was not going to get much playing time for him, for them. But you only got Chris Martin, who's just not that good, who's probably not really going to pitch for you in the postseason. Joey Gallo needed to change his scenery. But I don't think you needed to give up Clayton Beater, who I think could be a very good bullpen arm if he figures out his control. They traded away Mitch White, which... I guess that was a fine deal. You didn't. Really I liked. I liked him. the guys they got there. Yeah, yeah and we'll, we'll talk about that. So maybe they won that deal, but again, nothing sexy there. And they traded away Garrett Clevenger, who's a lefty pitcher for Herman Tapia. I don't even know who that is. And they traded Jake Lamb, who's hitting very well for them. Maybe they cashed in on a Jake Lamb when they don't truly believe in the production that he was giving them. But I was pretty underwhelmed by the Dodgers, but at the same time, like if if we just evaluated the moves, I would honestly give this a C minus. But with the Dodgers, we have to understand that they didn't really need to do anything. They have very few holes. They're going to get Blake Trinan back. So Craig Kimbrell doesn't give Dodgers fans heart attacks every single time he tries to close a game. The bullpen is very, very good. The offense is incredibly lethal. And the starting pitching when they get Bueller back, Kershaw just hit the IL. I would have liked to see them maybe add a pitcher instead of giving away Mitch White. But to Aram, I'm going to throw that over to you. You like the return for Mitch White, but overall, like, am I off here? I don't think the Dodgers have a good deadline at all. They're getting Dustin May back, too, who yeah. I, I just watched his last start. It was sitting 97 yes. uh, in his last outing, and they're going to try to stretch him out to four one more time, then five one more time. Long. So he, he should be back in, like, 10 to 
12 yeah. days, like yeah, two, two weeks, weeks or so. Yeah. So he should be back. But the here's the thing with the Dodgers just did here. And, and I'm just going to call it before, before it happens. Nick Frasso, who they got back from the Blue Jays, they identified this dude and they're about to turn him into an alien freak. Oh, um, God. He's 6'5 <laughs> with long levers, insane arm speed, sits 95 to 97 with a ton of life and has a wipeout slider and is already throwing a changeup. I think they saw an opportunity to sell high on Mitch White, who they're using more than they ever will. And they saw that they could maybe get Nick Frosso from the Blue Jays, who I think he might be one of their best pitching prospects at this point. And just just watch what's going to happen to Nick Frosso. I'm not kidding. Like, he's going to be disgusting. But to Peter's point, on the big league side, nothing monumental. And again, I think another team that felt like the best additions that they could make were from within, whether it was health or promotions. Yeah. Uh, I really think Miguel Vargas, I don't like counting on rookies. I think Vargas can help them. Yeah. Um, we'll see what Outman does. Outman and just I got think, optioned again when Taylor yeah, got activated. So I, I think Outman's more of a, you know, you're hoping he can come back if you need him. But I think Miguel Vargas can be a piece for them. Uh, so I am interested to see how that all shakes out. But I, I do agree with Peter. It was it was a it was a meager deadline. Um, the most noteworthy deal in there was obviously Gallo for Beater. Um, Peter, remind me how you just described Clayton Beater. I think he could be a very good bullpen arm if he figures out the control could be a very good bullpen arm if he figures out the control. That's the price for Joey Gallo, who still plays decent defense, who still hits nukes, and who still... I heard he's hitting 400 as a, as a Dodger. He is hitting 400 as a Dodger. But what I will also say is that he still could be a starter. I don't think that we're ruling that out for Clayton Beater, Armor Jack. Like, are we, are we ruling out that he could potentially be a starter? Beard. I just feel like when you look at Joey Gallo... He put up. I mean, I heard Michael K kind of running him through the mud, and which was which which pissed me off. By the way, that pissed me off. It was a question that he was asked, and I think he was like, "When you look at what Joey Gallo, he was one of the worst performers in the past twenty years for the Yankees. Like he was that that bad. Why was that's just the reality of the situation." Yeah, but Kay was coming at his fucking throat, and he's not on the team anymore. Don't do yeah, well, that. You I are don't know if he was by the Yankees. At, I see what you're saying. I don't know if he was coming out of the throat. I think he was just laying out exactly what happened. And I think instead of going at Gallo, I think he was defending Yankee fans because, you know, Joey Gallo came out in that interview. It was really sad, and, and Joey Gallo is, seems like a great guy. I was even watching – I think he does a Twitch stream. He's a hilarious dude. Didn't deserve all of the hate that he got – but he was hitting 159, wasn't even playing that great a defense, seemed to strike out every at bat. So when Yankee fans are going to boo him, they didn't boo him for no reason. It's not that he was hitting 200 with 40 home runs. He was single-handedly one of the worst offensive performers that I have seen on this Yankee team in my 24 years of life. The stats back that up and just watching him strike out at bat after at bat after at bat after at bat was frankly sometimes worth the booze. Was it a little excessive? Of course. Are Yankee fans excessive? You can bet your ass they are. They booed Stanton even before he arrived. That's even what Michael Kay said in, the, in that in that interview. But I thought that a lot of people went at Michael Kay for that. And I agree. It wasn't the best look, especially with the timing of it. But to Kay's point, I think he was more defending Yankee fans in this situation rather than actually going at Joey Gallo. 
Do, do Yankee fans need defense though? I like Joey Gallo is a guy that I feel that's like also a, fair. I that's haven't left fair. my home. I'm sad fair. and and embarrassed, and this will be one of the biggest regrets of my life. Was what he said. <laughs> so I like I just I, yeah. K. Phil Hughes. I'm looking. I'm reading now. Phil Hughes kind of like fired back, and K fired back. Um, but again, you work in in a big sports town, big media. You, you're gonna you're gonna kind of fire from the hip. We saw it with Salisbury and Philly, right? I mean, these guys. They're not shy for better and for worse. <laughs> what do you sign up for? I um, guess to, and just to wrap a bow on that, I didn't hear anything that Kay said that was incorrect. It was the tone. I agree. I agree. And I'm not saying Kay like did a good job here. I'm not at all. I just, he was speaking facts. What, and what did you say he just did? He, less of an indictment on Joey Gallo and more of a defense of Yankee fans. Yes. Let's talk about the Padres. Let's talk about the Padres. Let's just wrap a freaking bow on this one because we already went over it on a recent podcast. Javi wrote a great article on JustBaseball.com. And when we're grading all the deadlines, all that information is, but I'm just going to go through the packages again because it's gorgeous. And I'm giving the Padres a clean A+. Number one winner at the deadline. We're going to get into top five winners and losers right at the end. But spoiler alert, Padres won this thing. They acquired Juan Soto and Josh Bell from the Nationals for Robert Hassel, James Wood, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Harlan Susana, and Luke Voigt. They got Josh freaking Hader from the Brewers for Taylor Rogers and Nelson Lamette, um, Robert Gasser, and Asuri Ruiz. They traded away Eric Hosmer. Phenomenal. Uh, Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier in cash considerations to the Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Jay Groom, who could end up actually being kind of solid for them. And they got Brandon Drury, one of the most underrated additions at the deadline, for Victor Acosta, and they traded Brent Rooker uh, for Cam Gallagher. A-plus, they killed it. I could just move right on to the Giants because does anyone have anything to add before we move on? AJ Preller went off, baby. <laughs> they got Juan Soto and Josh Hader. Yeah. And Brandon Drury. Like, that's and Josh sick. Bell. Yeah. yeah like, Josh Bell. Keep they, going. And Rooker is it. gone, right? And Rooker's gone. Yeah, that's big. And so the next team is the San Francisco Giants. And um, Arm, Arm's had some choice words about Farad Zaidi. So I want to I get into that a little bit later. And I agree. They did not have a very good deadline. I would give the Giants a C-. minus. At this deadline, they traded Darren Ruff to the Mets for J.D. Davis and um, three pitching prospects. They traded Kurt Casale and Matthew Boyd to the Mariners for um, two guys I've frankly never heard of. Uh, They traded Trevor Rosenthal to the Brewers for Tristan Peters. Uh, They traded Jeremy Walker to the Rays. They acquired Dixon Machado from the Cubs for Raynal Espinal. And they traded Mauricio Dubon um, for a catching prospect they didn't do very well guys um they didn't trade Rodon they didn't trade Jock Peterson who I thought they could have done very well there um they traded a guy like Darren Ruff and that trade I think will benefit them in the future so it's not like they yeah that was a good move they didn't fail here but they didn't get better they actually got worse and and their system's not that much better. They're so yeah. old, dude. They're they're like no one wants any of their old guys, and they didn't really have that many assets to trade from. I think with Rodon, the option he's he's they'll just either take the comp pick back or he'll opt in and they'll have him for another year, yeah. at around twenty two million. So 
I think that that was a weird situation because of the contract structure. I was shocked that Jock didn't get moved. Uh, that that's a really interesting one to me. Uh, but I know he's banged up right now. Um, the 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 only one that that makes that deadline like really insanely positive to me. The one move that is is hilarious is is again the Trevor Rosenthal. They signed a guy for two weeks that never pitched for them and turned him into a top thirty prospect. Yeah. What the fuck? Bang. <laughs> like that- the Brewers should get a. <laughs> that was the craziest thing ever. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty uninspiring. And maybe C minus is a bit harsh because when we look at the rest of the teams, like we all graded them individually. So we all have different grading systems. We're a bit harsher teachers than I guess, like maybe I'm more of a harsh because like I even went back when I was hearing your guys' grades and I changed it because I gave the, I gave the Giants a D plus. Like I gave some of these Rockies and Dimebacks, like we're going to hear it in a minute, like way worse than some of your guys' grades. So I am I am a bit harsher with my grades, and it's not like we all came to these conclusions together. We all brought our divisions with our grades. So if the grading system seems a little off, it is a little off, and sorry. It's just also grading teams at the deadline so before arbitrary. we actually know what's going to happen is pretty arbitrary and a little silly, as Arm like to, like to call it, but it is super fun, and it makes for great content, and I'm here for it. Yes. You are the Simon Cowell of just baseball. You are giving. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's more than fair. But at the same time, I'm also very optimistic. And sometimes it could bite me in the butt. But I am not about to be optimistic about the freaking Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Diamondbacks, let's make it quick. I gave them a C minus. I did give them a D, but you guys are being nicer, so I bumped it up to a C minus. They traded David Peralta to the Rays for Christian Serda. Uh, fine, sure. I mean. Maybe could have gotten more. I really like the move for the Rays. And they acquired Emmanuel Rivera from the Royals for Luke Weaver, basically punting on one of the best pitching prospects at the time for in their Paul Goldschmidt trade. And that's it. Um, the Diamondbacks could have traded a lot of their bullpen pieces, and they didn't. Um, they even could have cashed in on Christian Walker, who's just hitting the crap out of the ball. One of Arm's more underrated guys who should have been dealt to the deadline. They didn't do it. Just felt like a lazy deadline from the Diamondbacks when they really could have cashed in on like a guy like Joe Mantiply. Like how good is Joe Mantiply going to continue to be? He was an all-star, could have gotten a King's ransom for him. They just didn't really do anything. Or even like a Zach Davies, bro. Exactly. Why why is Zach Davies? Merrill Kelly. I mean. Yeah. And even if you say, okay, let's hold on to Merrill Kelly because he's affordable and he's a pitcher. Trey Davies, he's actually been throwing pretty well. Someone would have taken him. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think it was a very – meh deadline from a team that is at a very important transitional point um and where you want to kind of fire up uh, now several years into this rebuild try to try to make the right moves and try to put yourself over the top and i really feel like they didn't do that they have a lot of clusters still and prospects coming up uh it's 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 one of those things where they're going to have to force trades later on probably to clear the way and they're not going to do that well on those deals i don't think you you can look at at the current you can look at the future and you got to be looking at both if you are a front office at major league at the major league level and they are focused on the far future they're focused on like what's going on in minor league baseball i understand you have to make some moves in the present and they didn't make moves in the present which is very weird yep colorado rockies a plus <laughs> yeah they got a plus they got a fart plus yeah they got a fart plus i gave them a d minus i thought they a. sucked extensions daniel bard two years 19 million that's fucking it i mean what are you doing i mean either they're either they are 
smarter than all of us combined, yes. or they yes. we could yes. run them better yes. than them. I'll come out no. and say it. What what's no. going on? No, I mean, Bill, Bill 30- Schmidt's a genius. <laughs> yeah, you boy, the Bill Schmidt hype train. <laughs> you extended a 37-year-old reliever who said he was going to come back to you. I was listening to Jack talk about it. He summed it up perfectly. Like, you could have traded him and then re-signed him if you truly wanted him when he's a free agent. Of course, you didn't do that. You said, you know what? You're having a good year. Now let's pay you really See, well. I mean, what a disaster. They could have traded a bunch of their, you know, bullpen pieces. They could have traded, you know, they could have gutted some of these pitchers, but instead they did absolutely nothing. And they're still in their own la la land thinking that they can compete when you got the juggernaut Padres who just added every good player at the deadline and the Dodgers are going to be good for the rest of our lives. And they're in last place. I mean, what a disaster. Okay. You say that they're in their own la la land. Do you not love their la la land? I, I want to be in it. I, I want to so live much. there. I, I want to live I think in that. The altitude land. is actually getting to them. I yeah, think, I think like they're the, high. The, yeah. I think they're actually high. I think that's fair. They're high. Literally also, and figuratively, like they're literally higher up than every other team. They draw well because they yes. fans just know that it's almost like an entertainment show. It's it's really just I, I look here. They're the Globetrotters. I'll be serious for a second, and then I'm going to go back to being the Rockies fanatic that I am. Uh, why are you, why is Jose Iglesias still on this team? <laughs> um, that I think you can. <laughs> What what are they keeping him for, dude? Like, he's a free agent after this year. He's got a 1.6 F4. He's hitting 312, 103 WRC+. His numbers have been fine on the A team would have happily. The Phillies traded for Armando Sosa. You could have (laughs) traded Jose Iglesias for something. He's hitting 312 with, like, a 250 slugging, right? That's possible. 415, bozo. Oh. The Rockies are different. But I think they see Jose Iglesias as a building block and a culture guy. Um, so, you know, who knows? But they also won the Josh Hader trade because here's what they do. They let you guys, you know, all you guys make your big moves and then they're the buzzards that pick off the last little pieces. So they went up to that that like whale carcass essentially yes. and found a little bit of meat laying there and yes. picked up to Nelson Lamette. I bet this, he's so good for chess. that. This is chess yes. and the Rockies play it. Nobody else does. You <laughs> yes, got a free to Nelson Lamette out of the Josh Hader deal. You want to see a real winner? They didn't even have to give up Josh Hader, and they got Denelson Lamette. And yes. remember, he was good six years ago. They're playing Connect yes. Four, and they can't even get four <laughs> in a row while everyone else is playing chess and checkers. Like, and they're not even playing the same board game. I mean, they're they're buying. Uh, okay, yes, the but as a six-year-old kid, is in Monopoly and building hotels on them, or what? A, what are the two? It's like Mediterranean. What is it at the beginning of Monopoly? I don't know. I haven't played Monopoly in so long. I think it's the purple spaces. And like, it's the dumbest move to like build hotels on those because it's like, you don't really get paid much. Like that's what they're doing. They're like, look at these hotels. Yeah. They're probably sick. No, (laughs) they aren't. Um, I'm almost sick of this bit because like, we're not holding them accountable. No, I'm never (laughs) going to be sick of this bit, man. I'm all about it. Cause all my negative energy with the white Sox, I just push it towards the Rockies in positive energy. I can't wait till their free agency this year. Dude, it's going to be so gonna funny. Sign? It's going to be so gonna funny. Sign? I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, winners Can we give a prediction? Who's, who's, a, who's a free agent that we think like, they'd be Dude, they're throwing, in? They're, throwing, throwing they're throwing 150 at Brandon Nimmo, and I get <laughs> I'm in. I'm so in, dude. He's from Wyoming. Local I kid. Know. Bring him back Perfect. home. 
Him and Charlie Blackman, they're going to go hunting in the offseason and shit. I'm so in, dude. Wyoming didn't have high school baseball. Nimmo literally just played travel ball year-round. He didn't play (laughs) high school baseball. That's a great story to have on the Rockies. They're going to give Josh Bell so much money and, like, platoon him with Crone or something. I mean, it's, you know, like... McMahon can go to second. I'm so in. All right. um, Peter, you want to walk us through winners real quick? Winners and losers? Yeah, um, well, you have the list of winners. Do you want to rattle those off and then I'll handle the losers? Yeah, let me uh, let me scroll. God, up that was here. a great laugh. That like got rid of my hangover. That was phenomenal. <laughs> no, you're still gonna take a, a nap after this. Uh, um, yeah, that's more than likely. All right, winners. Yeah, yeah, go for through them. Uh, top five winners. We've got the Twins as the fifth best winner. Of course, the big deals for them: Tyler Malley, Jorge Lopez, Michael Fulmer. The Astros as the fourth best winner, Christian Vasquez and Trey Mancini coming back. Holy smokes. Um, the Reds as the third best winner, because we said it, this is how sellers should sell at the trade deadline. The Yankees as the second best winner, got Frankie Montas. That's awesome. They got Bader too. That's great. But obviously the team that got one Soto just won the trade deadline. And the losers, the top five losers at the deadline, um, at number five, I'm going with the Milwaukee Brewers. You could also go with the Red Sox at number five. I'm going to kind of have them tied because they didn't have very good deadlines. Yep. At number four, I'm going with Detroit because they could have done so much more and they decided, you know what? Let's keep everyone for no reason. At number three, it's the Chicago Cubs yeah. with our theme of that deep dish pizza and hot dogs are overrated that's basically my theme because jack is in full disagreement with that and for good reason and i'm obviously kidding but hey, you ever no. had lou malnati's chief uh, arm oh. where are you going giordano's lou malnati's pequods what are you doing no idea um float to your um the people hosting you pequods it is the pequods. best deep dish in chicago pequods and i think it's right near where you are at number two Cleveland, this isn't for you. Yeah, it's for nobody. It's for nobody. They didn't do anything, and I'm so sick of this. I, if I was a Guardians fan, I would be livid. Livid. I was trying to think of a word. Livid is a good one. And number one, the Chicago White Sox, biggest loser of the deadline. But it wasn't you, their fault. You added Jake Diekman. That was it. It wasn't their fault. They tried. It's he, true. They, they, Rick Hahn hoped that they could have done more. It's honestly, yeah. How can you blame Rick Hahn? I mean. What is it, his job? Yeah. What is it, his job to you make expect trades? him to just make all the trades? I think it's actually rude of us to call them the biggest loser when they tried that hard. I think no, no one returned his calls. It, it just was what it was. I agree. I actually think he did well. Yeah. If, if you're just putting in an effort. You see how many outgoing calls there were? I wonder how many outgoing calls there were, Jack. How many outgoing not- calls do you actually think there were? Uh, I've suppressed my anger by uh, not listening to you guys. So I have, I actually have no idea what you're talking about. I would love to hear a finishing rant on the White Sox. Oh, side. so what we're talking but about is how Rick Hahn did nothing um, for a White Sox team that has been trying to win now for like multiple years. And uh, and then instead of saying, hey, this is why we did nothing, he just said, no, you know, we, we're just going to keep playing our first round pick first baseman in the outfield and letting him get hurt and Andrew yeah. Vaughn. And then we're also going to do nothing else. Um, yeah. So that's what we were talking about. And then he took no accountability and kind of just said, oh, I wish we could have done more as if it wasn't his uh, responsibility. 
Yes. Sorry, re- refresh you at all. Sorry, I missed that. Can you give me that one more time? <laughs> just keep just keep weirdly <laughs> liking the Rockies as a coping mechanism. Yeah, I'm I mean, it. like I am channeling all my anti Larusa and Reinsdorf energy into Ezekiel Tovar and Zach Veen. <laughs> Hell yeah. And Adeo Amador. That's the way to live in warming Bernabeu and that electric uh, Fresno Grizzlies home run call. <laughs> that is fire. If you so haven't checked dope. that out, go check, check that out on the TikTok or the Instagram. TikTok, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that'll do it. I'm not going to give you what you want. White Sox wise. Not going to give you what you want. I know you're not lame. Arm and arm gives rants. I give rants. We never fully get your full anger. We'll get it. I'll get it out of them. I'll, I'll start. I'll start trying. Good. Um, that's it. All right. Tony LaRusso's third DUI is going to put Jack over the top. God, don't say that. Hey, enjoy Burdick, man. Hope he gets his first knock. It's probably going to be an infield single. (laughs) Yeah, you're about to see the Drew Smiley experience. Also, the Yankees blew to the Cardinals. Uh, Clay Holmes has like a six ERA since June. Uh, so all of our teams are kind of shitty. Oh, I don't want to hear it over there, Yankee guy. And with that, and with that, and with that, well, no, first, 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 use code just baseball <laughs> if you're interested in downloading prize picks. Uh, join the chalkboard. That link is in our episode description. Also, our guys at Wild Cards are having a stream where we're breaking yeah. Bowman boxes on the Whatnot app. That link is in our episode description. The link to the stream is in our episode description. And with that, thank you, everybody. 